This week on Double Dragon, Steve does his first watch of The Last of the Starks. This is episode four of season seven. And as you can hear in my voice, I am a little bit sniffly. But luckily, this is a conversation that Steve and I had a while back. You'll be able to tell by our conversation that Steve is starting to see some of the fissures in the plot. And yet we both agreed it's kind of a great episode. Uh, I had a few problems, he had a few problems, but overall I thought we both liked it. So, without further ado, here is comic Steve Osborne. Steve, overrated, underrated, or properly rated, Starbucks coffee. Oh, it's overrated. Isn't I mean, there it's... something about... Starbucks has become kind of the McDonald's of specialty coffee. Like, quote-unquote, gourmet coffee. Which might seem like a contradiction in terms or whatever but at some point at some point something that's overrated gets labeled overrated and as soon as it is widely considered to be overrated doesn't that automatically make it underrated or is that is that properly rated well i guess it would be well so if if the consensus is that it's overrated then it's properly rated uh (laughs) which by its they call this the the, the Starbucks paradox. Uh, it's right up there with Schrodinger's cat. It's just very. If everybody says that an overrated thing is overrated, mm-hmm. it becomes properly rated, which means that it is now ripe to be judged for being overrated again. Um, that's right. And and that's the cycle, and that's why Starbucks stays in existence despite people going. Eh, like most people I know say they that they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, somebody does. Somebody does to justify like seven of them in my small town. I mean, I don't know if it's just because when all like for me, Starbucks is a on a road trip. I need some coffee. I know there'll be a Starbucks soon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, and it becomes a means to an end. It's not terribly expensive, I guess. Um, I can order something that that resembles more of what uh, my coffee flavor mm-hmm. profile prefers. You know, I mm-hmm. try to get the tall, uh, blonde, flat white. If, if the place has it and then I make do. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I it has to still be, I mean, the fact that there's so many of them, mm-hmm. um, I, I suggest it is, it has to be overrated. It has to. Well, famously, Steve, this was the episode with the errant disposable Starbucks coffee cup in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's interesting Upon rewatch, it's like the long night, you didn't sort of have the same fan experience because you were alerted to the the darkness, brightness sure. problem. Yes, yes, yes. And on this one, on watching the rewatch, you know, they digitally took out the coffee cup. Right? Yeah, and I'm looking for it. In fact, I ended up having to sort of revisit the scenes because I was kind of distracted by looking for the cup because I knew it was coming. Actually, if you look closely on the table, you'll see Jabba the Hutt walk, walking by having a conversation with young Han. <laughs> and that, that somehow seems more natural. <laughs> so after this, after this episode, it's all anyone wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, I did two things. The one thing it did is if you were watching and, you know, if you're one of the millions of people watching this show just to be part of the cultural conversation, then that's that kind of was dominating the the conversation. Right. Yeah. 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 On the other hand, if you were sort of more of a critical super fan uh, watcher or a critical, you know, critically oriented watcher. All of these suspicions that are these guys phoning in this final season? Mm, mm. It kind of contributed to that narrative, right? Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because at this point they're like, well, if they didn't notice that, then if they can't notice that, then what? What details? Yeah, can we really trust these show? guys anymore? Yeah, yeah. Now on rewatch, this was a decent episode. Yeah, I, I was. This was what supposed to be 
the beginning of the end, right? Uh -huh. From a, if you look at again, not using the tomato meter as gospel, but gives you kind of a, a glimpse, right, of uh -huh. at least the trends. And and this was what like fifty something percent. I mean, this is considered. <laughs> a low point um, but you have yeah, to understand 58%, 58%. the momentum i mean these are unforced errors that they're making yeah, and right. it's like yeah. okay so the momentum is that you had this weird this weird episode where no one could actually see what was going on and so that's all anyone wanted to talk about mm -hmm. and the things that we could see were like you know brand doing his weird brand thing uh, you know, there were there were things like that that were just kind of propelling the conversation in a particular direction. And then early on in this next episode, it's like there's a Starbucks cup on the table. Like it it really did it really did feed the narrative in a way that it's impossible to know what the fan experience would have been like. Right. It, it. it was like two unforced errors, like right in a row, and it really kind of sent this thing on a trajectory. And you experienced neither of those things. True. Yeah, that's very true. So you. So I'm curious. What was your experience of this episode? I thought it was, thought it was at worst a B minus, but probably a B. Okay. So clearly not. I mean, clearly not your favorite. Clearly not my favorite. Um, I have. I mean, there's some definite things to quibble with i have absolutely no problem pointing those out um they feel like this just doesn't this doesn't work for me and and they and they're they're fairly important mm. they're fairly important <laughs> things um but overall i didn't i mean i'm like i i don't i'm, I'm very curious what the, what's the objection you know okay and, and i think your your point being very very sound like <laughs> you can't you can't have the conversation real time without the Starbucks cup mm -hmm. have playing a role. It's a distraction. Right. It's the fly. It's like a fly on your head during a debate or something <laughs> like that. Right. Sure. I mean, it's going to take the attention away from what's, what's actually going on. Yeah. And maybe that's a, again, maybe that's another critical point, right? If you're a real, real good show and you're still, you're, you're still kicking ass. I have to be reminded about the cup, but if the cup is lingering in my head throughout the episode sure, 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 sure. then you're not you're you're not doing enough to to take me away from it right and now and now i'm looking at this thing through you know starbucks colored uh, lenses and going where else are the where, where are the other starbucks cups in this episode yeah uh, yeah the question is is there a suspension of disbelief that's necessary for a show like this that is being undermined right right so if if you've we, made a couple made an agreement already, and then you're kind of worried, like, do they care about this? And then you see that you're like, oh shit, they're mailing this in, and then you yeah, start and, seeing everything else, right? And that's the bigger sin, right? It's not so much subverting expectations or saying, hey, this is what I thought was going to happen, mm -hmm. and that's not what's happening. This disappoints me, but. I'll go along for this ride because that's I've signed up for this ride. That's one thing. But if it's another thing going like, hey, man, I've devoted a lot of time and energy <laughs> to this experience. I clearly care about this show more than you do. And you're making yeah. millions of dollars off this show. Yeah, that's what you don't want, right? I mean, that is what you don't want to have happen is them to give up on you because you haven't given up on them. And right. it's going to be very easy to give up on, on something mm -hmm. if it appears that they're not reciprocating, right? And that's... That seems that that's where I think the the, the problems can really lie is, is yeah that's that's just it's yeah so, so I, I, I I enjoyed this episode in retrospect I was without the Starbucks cup I was just kind of looking at the episode as it stands without kind of the narrative in the back of my head or at <clears> least trying to keep the narrative out of the back of my head and I feel about this episode in the same way I kind of felt about. Um, the Last Jedi. Yeah, this is great. I think I think this is an important. Uh, I made. The, I think I was making maybe not the same connection, but I had this this feeling. So I, my I, I, my uh, thought is that there's a great episode somewhere in here because all, all the stuff at Winterfell is fascinating. I mean, I want to kneel to someone. I swore myself and the North to her cause. I respect that. You respect it. We needed her. We needed her army, her dragons. You did the right thing. 
And we're doing the right thing telling you we don't trust your queen. You don't know her yet. I'll never know her. She's not one of us. If you only trust the people you grew up with, you won't make many allies. That's all right. I don't need many allies. Are you? We're family. The four of us. The last of the Starks. I've never been a Stark. You are. Just as much Ned Stark's child as any of us. You're my brother. Not my half-brother or my bastard brother. My brother. It's your choice. I just love all of that. And then it just felt like, when are you going to end this? Because this seems like... It seems like you've, you've added like two or three epilogues on this show. And it really needed a little bit more editing. And you really needed to cut out a little bit more. Put, put a little bit in other episodes... As an example, if you look at like episode nine for season one, where Ned gets his neck clipped, that was the, that was like a perfectly paced episode with this shocking moment, and you were like, "Oh shit, what are the, what's gonna happen now?" You know that yeah, yeah. they did everything right with the, within that episode, and you could have done you could have paced this episode in the same way. But you were just trying to do too much, I think. Okay. That's my take on it. Um, that said, lots of scenes that I loved in this episode. So what are your gripes here? Uh, I think I have two main two main gripes. Um, and I may have more as we discuss this. But Bronze big showdown was a complete dud. <laughs> I loved that. I absolutely loved it. Dude, it was, it was like, what? No, I, I was off, in. I was all did I, in. What did, what did I? What did I miss about him just traipsing in? He just walked in. What, what's, yeah. the, what's the problem? <laughs> There's no guards anymore, dude. They're dead. They were on the pyre. So he he makes the journey. Yeah. Um, arrives just in time to miss. I don't know the biggest battle in the history of life. Yeah, sure. Yeah. As you know, Bron- just, you know, Bronze Street Smart. He knows exactly. He's, he's headed up over the hill. He sees all this dragon fire. Oh, there's blue fire. I get, I'll give it a tick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what he's going to do. So I'm going to wait to see what happens here. Because, see, the way I had interpreted everything was like, well, let's just wait for everything to settle down. Once they get the information that they either win or lose, then you head up, which means it seems like there's a lot more time that has to go by. Again, so now we're dealing with a pacing issue. We're dealing with a, okay, he's just there. And then and then he just kind of comes down to it, and it's like, and then it's like, all right, guys, uh, you know, give me, a, give me a better deal, and I won't. I mean, it's like the whole thing just felt like after all of that, this is what we have between – I mean, Bronn and Tyrion, the, the buildup of their relationship, the transfer of relationship to Jamie, and what it comes down to is three guys having a very banal conversation. I liked it. I thought the punch in the nose was fantastic. I thought it's I thought it was true to his character. I liked that uh, I liked that Jamie was like there's no way you're a cutthroat. I lo- I loved when he replied and said, "Look, everyone around here is cutthroats." We made a deal long ago, do you remember? If anyone offered me money to kill you, you'd pay me double. What's Double River on? Highgarden. You could be Lord of the Reach. Highgarden, are you mad? It's better than being dead. He's not going to kill us. He wouldn't be talking to The way I see it, I only need one of the Lannister brothers alive. Highgarden will never belong to a cutthroat. No? Who were your ancestors? The ones who made your family rich. Fancy lads in silk? They were fucking cutthroats. That's how all the great houses started, isn't it? With a hard bastard who was good at killing people. Kill a few hundred people, they make you a lord. Kill a few thousand, they make you king. And then, all your cocksucking grandsons can ruin the family with their cocksucking ways. Hi, God. Uh, That was a a great commentary on... How noble people become noble. And, That's fine. And I think at, at the end of the day, that guy is all about the money. And this was true to his character. That I mean, and that's fine. I guess I just felt like the whole thing was like, well, then that's it. I mean, it just it felt it felt weird, right? Like, I mean, I guess I mean, maybe this is where the expectations 
uh-huh. don't match the delivery right and this is and i could be falling victim to my own uh you know sort of critique or at least sure. uh, uh an analysis of like final episodes um that when 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 he gets the crossbow and, and the order from cersei baked into that just feels like this is going to be a real big showdown this is when they when when he finally comes across one or both of these guys this is going to have some weight to it and and not just didn't i mean it was like okay it's mm-hmm. a fine little back and forth it may have been true to the character but there was whatever tension you thought was going to come from that and it seemed like it was it was introduced to do that very mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. now it's just like all right make me a better offer when it all gets said and done okay and like, so oh, i i'll take that i'll take that under advisement i had the same feeling about the death of danny's dragon Regal. i thought oh so now now the dragon's dead like i wasn't there's was no build up it just kind of mm-hmm. came out of nowhere and afterwards it was i mean think about think about the implications of when Viseron goes down it was yeah. like, it's like the end of the world. It's like Danny, one of right, Danny's right. children is dead, and that changes everything because now the Night King might have a dragon, and you know all of that was like epic. This just felt like eh, I guess she lost another dragon. Yeah. So there was yeah. a gravity to the scene. I guess the that, that I mean I don't mind I don't mind like a, an arrow coming out of nowhere and you being shocked by a scene. But then the aftermath almost even felt like, okay, so then they're shipwrecked, and then all of a sudden yeah. they're on Dragonstone. I, I just... I, yeah, yeah. No, and I and I, there is that sense of, like, well, you didn't anticipate you're on at all. I mean, fly a little higher. <laughs> Take a look at everything. <laughs> we saw you above the clouds. Do, do some recon. <laughs> I mean, why are you flying around mountains on a like in water when you know that there is a fleet in the area. I mean, you should know that. Maybe you didn't know exactly where the fleet was, but you should have fleet pieces. I mean, if is Tyrion sitting there going, I feel like there should be more on this map. And he's just sitting on a bunch of ship pieces somewhere. <laughs> like they dropped the ship pieces under the table on accident. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Podrick's under there looking for him. I can't find it. And he's like, well, we'll just do without it. We'll assume that they don't exist then. <laughs> Um, all right, so I so so that so that seemed a little bit like it now. And so this is where you know you talk about do they still care? Are they mailing it in? That feels strategically like like this one feels a little bit more like all right. You're you wanted to find a way to kill this dragon again. It's like you're still working to to level the playing field, mm-hmm. and and you just sort of are, are like yeah, we'll just do it this way instead of having any like like the you've got an 80 minute episode you feel like you could add some gravitas in here well i i guess i would say the opposite i would say the way that you add gravitas is that you don't do an 80 minute episode mm, okay. you give you let you let the death of Rhaegal and the aftermath of that be the end of an episode mm-hmm. you let Missandei's death be the end of a different episode Trying to cram all of that into one episode is going necessarily is going to make one seem less important than the other. And I think that they're both equally important because number one, one weakens Danny and one really enrages Danny. Right. And I think it's both of those things are, I mean, that's important. Both of those are important for the story that they're telling, but it kind of goes into this. But why did you need to do a eighty minute episode? Because you're pretty good. You're pretty good at doing the hour long episodes. Yeah, yeah. Because you give you, then now you have twenty other minutes that you can do other things with, right? You can expand on any one of these other elements because mm-hmm. um, it does feel like we're hitting the fast forward button on a few things. Um, yeah. To get to to get to the end, like now it feels like it's a race to the end, right? And this yeah. is. And that's, to me, that's where you start to, uh, you have to, you have to kind of, I don't know, I, I guess I'm having to recalibrate, right? Because I, at this point I'm like, look, I can complain about it, but it's happening. <laughs> this is going, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to just have to accept the fact that, um, they've made decisions probably even as late as season 
and towards the end of season seven that certain logistical things are not a priority anymore and it's yeah. unfortunate but but if you can do that and at least still if you can at least move the narrative where it was supposed to go i can handle that mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's, um, fine. it's fine because if you've made the decision like they're gonna watch anyway they're absolutely gonna watch anyway let's not fret over these sort of minutiae we're not trying to bring eyes we're trying to keep eyes and eyes want to see a spectacle well, if that's the case, then don't leave the Starbucks coffee cup yeah. in the scene. Yeah, no doubt. How many no, hundreds of people that. had to look at that scene and and miss the cup for the, it to happen? And I just feel like... Why was the cup there? Because people know, that, that... want to feel caffeinated. Because I mean, coffee like, you, warms you up and but settles you're on you set, down. You, you, would, you would think there would be a rule that's like, hey, when we're on the set, like filming... Um, just don't, don't bring your personal effects. <laughs> just don't. Yeah. If you're Amelia Clark, you're like, I'm Amelia Clark. I'm the dragon queen. I'm going to drink my coffee and sit right. right here. Miss, Han- Miss Handy's sitting there. So, breaker of chains, drinker of lattes. <laughs> uh, all right. So here are a few things that I, I really, well, I have one more. I have okay. one more gripe. Sure. Sure. Um, and and, the, uh, and and I'll say that that the the I think I'm putting them in order of from least to greatest importance for me. The Braun thing was like I was a little bit like ah, I don't know like I, I wanted better. Um, That's inter- it, it's fascinating. It, Go ahead. It, it was it wasn't bad, but it wasn't. I mean, it was like again, it was like it didn't yeah, work for you. It didn't. It didn't do what I thought that this whole thing was setting up for. Uh-huh. And again, maybe there's more more to it later, but whatever. Um, the you know, and then the, the the dragon thing, the the coming around the corner and being like, oh, I totally forgot about this major thing. Um, that's a problem. And then, uh, but the real problem I have is, what what about anything that we've been doing in the last seven and a half seasons would suggest to Tyrion that he could still appeal? to Cersei's somewhat better half or whatever it is, her, her, like that, there's this protective mother quality. He did. He just tried this. He just tried to appeal and, and it, and it didn't work and it didn't work in such a way that it really got him in hot water with, with Danny and, and even his own questioning and, and Sansa has been basically telling him, look, I used to think you were clever, but this is a, this is a blind spot. Like, and I was willing to say, okay, it's, it's a blind spot, but at the same time, it's like, now he's just doing it again. This Mm -hmm. becomes like, this is your strategy. And I'm sorry, she would have launched arrows at him. Don't you think? I mean, she had Bronn go to kill him. She's been, she's been asking, she's been, she has a collection of dwarf heads. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And also it's a twofer. You get him, you get your revenge on him and you take out the hand of the, of the queen. Absolutely. That's a pretty, that's a pretty strong message. It's a, I I think you're right. There's no way that she would have stayed the archers. Um, I think that Tyrion generally thinks he can talk his way out of anything. And I think that, you know, you asked what in the last seven and a half seasons would lead Tyrion to believe he could change Cersei's mind. Tyrion's pretty good at changing people's minds. And Cersei, of course, is a lost cause. And your point is well taken on that. At the same time, Tyrion has been in really impossible situations that he's talked his way out of. Um, so... Yeah, but he just failed with Cersei on this very topic, and he's trying it again. He's yeah. like, hey, I know I know we had this talk, and you could have had me killed, and you didn't. Um, and I thought I convinced you, and then you, you, you really didn't help, and that was a real big deal, and now here we are um, with less people because you didn't help, and actually now you may have an equal or upper hand um hey could, could i convince you to do that thing you didn't want to do before now 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 that there's like almost no leverage because before a, there was at least a great point i can't i can't argue that it's 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 a really great point um 
So, a few things I really liked about this episode, and I really do wish that they had split it up into two, because there are so many things that it's easy to forget happened in this episode. Like, like the gravity of Sansa choosing to tell Tyrion mm-hmm. this secret about Jon. It's like this little... It's like this tiny little bug that's going to become a pandemic or something. Right. Um... It's like she, there's this little, little, little maggot in the rice. Just a tiny, <laughs> how many maggots in the rice would make you not want to eat the rice, right? Right. Uh, so she's like, well, what could I do? What could I, I could play this like John wants me to play this. Or I could get John on the throne using my little finger super, superpowers. Right. And I thought it was just really well done the way that I thought everything up north was was fantastic. I just mm-hmm. thought all of that Winterfell stuff and I and I like the bronze stuff, but Sansa learning about John, you know, the conversation that the, the four siblings have in the in the Godswood and the Tyrion and Varys discussing about you know the the problems. This is actually you know maybe this is actually a something that we could use. You know maybe right. the, maybe the best now this happens in Dragonstone, but Varys says maybe the best king, someone who doesn't want to be king. Right. Yeah, and I, I well I like that, and and that's the thing about this episode that despite my other problems and. And again, there's they feel more like these are the, some of the logistical things, and I'm trying to hold back the um, oh they're mailing it in, they're betraying me, therefore now mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm going into eye roll mode. I'm just more along the lines of like, all right, I mean, I'm not I'm not thrilled with these decisions, but I as long as this is where you want to go, you can get me there a little quicker, I suppose. Um, I'm again like I'm getting I'm recalibrating my level of expectations to their details mm-hmm. and nuances, and I'm just going to try to consume it for what it is mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and so with that, I thought I love the idea that there's this little sewing circle. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 you know where it's an amazing thing about returning to the Game of Thrones after a big White Walker thing. Mm-hmm happened and my concern was how do i care again and i'm like oh that's right you know why because this is actually what i cared about for seven seasons well okay and this is why i love the sansa character at this point because if you remember a little bit a little bit back to season seven Littlefinger does this really brilliant Littlefinger type thing where he asks sansa he's like isn't brienne sworn to protect both of the stark daughters Mm-hmm. It's just a question, but it plants this seed in Sansa's mind. Like, oh, well, that's right. If I if I want to get rid of Arya, I the first thing I have to do is get rid of Brienne. Mm-hmm. And of course, Littlefinger wants Brienne gone for all kinds of reasons, right? Right. But then Sansa ends up turning that back on on Littlefinger or whatever. It, great Game of Thrones plot. Love it. All Littlefinger has to do is just ask this little question, right? Well, now, it, it, because what that does is Littlefinger is like a, a chaos agent at that point, right? He's just dropping a tiny little maggot in the rice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Sansa is that person now. So Sansa is almost taking over the role of Littlefinger here. She's like, if I can just, if I just tell this little secret to Tyrion. I bet you that's gonna throw everything into chaos for Danny. Uh, and maybe she doesn't know the outcome, but she knows that the chaos will be more beneficial to her cause, right? And less de- beneficial to Danny's cause. So yeah, so I think so. I think we need to discuss that just a bit, so I make sure I'm fully. Yeah, yeah. We've we've. It's been made very clear that Sansa doesn't trust Danny. That's right. Is is that is that what is this really based on? I mean, is this based on? Uh, it feels plot device ish, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to, I mean, why? I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess the idea that Sansa's just sort of now become skeptical in general. I don't think so. I think it's well. It is. It is that she's skeptical in general. But it's. I think she's still fighting Rob's war. 
I think she's still fighting Ned's war and Rob's war. And it's kind of like this. When the North is subservient to the South, it never goes well for us. Got it. And I don't see why we ought to give that up. We, these, these Northmen, they are, they're, they're really happy with John being King of the North. And he says he's bowed to the queen, but I don't think that has to be a foregone conclusion at this point. I think that Ned had it right, Rob had it right. You don't trust these Targaryens, Southerners, or whatever. Um, and I think that that's kind of it's kind of she's the avatar for this the centuries old dispute between North and South. That's how I'm reading her anyway. Okay. So and maybe she just. Doesn't like Danny, you know. I don't know. I mean, Danny, Danny that. doesn't doesn't end up being. I mean, she doesn't show as likable. She's she's likable, and this I think has really been something we've been we've been watching a whole the whole way through. Is if she sets you free, you like her because she sets you free, uh-huh. and also that means you're kind of you kind of over. That's right. And that that works out to her advantage, right? Yeah. And so now, when you come into a place where you're like, where, where she's she's really playing that card, right? And even Miss Andy uh, sort of echoed that in the in the in the crypt, you know, without her, you're yeah. all dead, right? And so there is this sense of like, it, it, maybe I didn't set you free, but I uh, I kept you alive, and so without me, this just this is not an option. So it's an interesting currency that she she wields, right? And I think it shows more and more. Um, this lack of altruism or at least any the if there was altruism initially it's it's being shed mm-hmm. with as the titles and the power grow right mm-hmm. and uh and i know that and i'm wondering i'm just wondering what the reception for the audiences at this point like what are the fans are the fans feeling like hey are you trying to make me turn on danny or is that does mm-hmm. this feel natural is it something that I think a rushed. lot of people feel. I I, th- I think a lot of fans felt like they didn't like where Danny's character is going because we are introduced. I mean, we built up a lot of empathy for Danny, right? And now Danny is pitted against these other characters that we love, and she's being presented as something of a bad guy. Now, my argument was always. If you ever thought Danny was altruistic, then you weren't watching the show I was watching. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, and this is, and that's, so that's kind of where I'm at it. To me, this, I mean, so I'm, again, I'm trying to figure out where is this going to fall apart, right? Because this episode wasn't that episode for me. Uh, I know it's a 58 percenter, so it's like, you know. Honestly, more fans are talking about the Starbucks cup than anything else, right? Okay. And that's, and that seems unfortunate because I actually think. It's totally unfortunate because I, I mean, there are, there's so much to talk about. Like, for instance, why does John tell Sansa and Arya? Like, right? There's, I mean, it's back to that old like. I'm gonna be honest. I respect you, therefore I can't lie to you. I'm gonna be honest, uh, and I kind of don't care what the consequences are, or just the stupidity of trusting that they're not gonna tell anyone. Like Varys yeah. is right. If eight people know, it's not a secret. It's information. Yeah. Um, I, I am two thirds of the way through the worst season in Game of Thrones history, <laughs> and fans will tell you in the worst season of television history, which um, made a lot of, which pissed off a lot of people. I'm two thirds in, and I'm like, season's pretty good. And actually, the the problems I have with mm-hmm. with the show or this episode, I'm like, they 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 are problematic, and I'm yeah. willing to just sort of like, all right, I guess this is the flow with which I shall go. Um, but I thought it, I, <laughs> I was back into the game of Thrones Yeah. after yeah, yeah. that white Walker thing. And I'm not saying this is a perfect episode by any stretch, but they had a real challenge and that was yeah. to, to make you care about this pursuit again. Yeah. All this and, stuff at Winterfell, I was totally in for, I was like, yeah. I want to see Tormund crying his eyes out. Yeah. I'm totally into that. I want to see the complications between, uh, Brienne and Jamie. I'm really. Mm-hmm. I I, I want to see Sansa betray John in order to put him on the throne. That's really complicated. What stuff. a what a wild concept that is. Yeah. I think that is such a. I mean, like yeah. she betrays him to 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 elevate him to give it's, him something he doesn't want. It's so because wild. he she knows he would be a better king than Danny. I don't want John to go down there. 
The men in my family don't do well in the capital. No. But as your brother once told me, he's not a Stark. Are you all right? Her people love her. You've seen that. You've seen how they fight for her. She wants to make the world a better place. I believe in her. There's someone else, someone better. That is such a. I mean, that is that that's is something Game of Thrones does better than any other. Exactly. That, that's the thing is that is classic Game of Thrones. They created a situation yeah. that made me go. I, I was over the White Walker thing, <laughs> you know, and that's crazy to me. And I get it. There's two more episodes, and I know that they're going to screw it up, but they haven't yet. They really haven't. <laughs> All right, let and me I, let me give you a couple little things that also irked the fans and i'll see if they irked you all right okay a lot of people were really upset when jamie leaves brienne behind because his character arc he he basically he says i did everything i ever did for cersei she's a hateful woman and i'm hateful too right and Mm -hmm. he leaves Mm -hmm. and for a lot of fans that was just heartbreaking and they thought no, I don't want that for Jamie, and I don't want that for Brienne. Well, too bad. Yeah, right. Okay, so that didn't <laughs> that didn't that didn't you know? No, that was that was. I was concerned yeah. that we were going to turn Jamie into something that that he, he shouldn't be. Sure, sure, yeah. So, so <laughs> for me, okay. So now, <laughs> and this is me trying to be like, you know, I I don't want to piss off fans. <laughs> um. But like, guys, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my take on this: a lot of people were shipping Jamie and Brienne the whole time, right? So, mm-hmm. so that you finally get that, and then it breaks your heart. I that's was, not enough. Breaking your heart is not a reason like, to no, I don't like something. Brienne, if you want to be happy, get over Tormund's weirdness. Mm-hmm. He, this is the guy. This is the guy who knows who he is. Jamie doesn't. Jamie really figures out who he is when he realizes he's a hateful person. Yeah, exactly. You, you've chosen the wrong horse. Brie. Yeah, and that's and so my feeling is what this episode what was so good is that you've been they have been building Danny to this. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I mean I was watching it and I'm like, yeah, this is where Danny goes. And then the idea that Jamie and like you know, I mean Heather's been on record about the irredeemability of, of Jamie Lannister. Right. Right. And, and so, you know, and that's really, she's really sold me on that to the point where I was like, yeah, I could see this could be a problem if all of a sudden he just becomes great. And Brienne, um, her blind spot is, is, you know, she's, she sees him for what she believes he could be. Right. 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 Um, and, and I've said over and over again, I said, his, his, Lannis, Jamie's kryptonite is actually being away from Cersei. He, <laughs> and I think he knows that. And I think he knows that the longer he stays away, the, the the weaker he becomes in the sense that he has to start dealing with some stuff. Cersei is the the Earth's yellow sun, and Jamie, <laughs> Jamie's supervillain status requires some some sort of exposure to to Cersei's aura. If he's around Cersei. He doesn't have to wrestle with the idea that he pushed Bran out a window. Yeah, right. He doesn't have to wrestle with the idea that he strangled his cousin. He doesn't have to. If he's away from her and he sees somebody noble like Mm Brienne, he now has a a baseline by which he he fails by comparison. Mm -hmm. And that's a... Well, okay. All right. I'm glad that we're talking about this because I kind of feel like Cersei's ethic... And Jamie's ethic when he's with Cersei is it's our family against the world. Mm-hmm. And anything other than that, you're just fooling yourself. It's it's us against them. I don't see that that's much different than the stance that Arya and Sansa are taking. I agree. 
They're saying it's us against them. Uh, we don't trust your queen. Uh, we needed her, and now we don't need her. And uh, you better not forget where your allegiances are. Uh, I kind of feel like that's the same kind of thing Cersei's doing. No, and I and I think that that's and that's exactly what that complicates the Starks uh, mm-hmm. in terms of. Well, there's <laughs> they're back into the throne, uh, the, the Game of Thrones too, mm-hmm. um, and and to think that you know because that's the thing about Sansa and Arya, there's this sense of like oh they're survivors, they're survivors, and it's like well, but this is exactly what the criticism that that Rob faced and that John faced was like well what's your what's your plan after whatever it is you're gonna do, <laughs> and Sansa and Arya seem to be seeing the the mm. long term whether mm-hmm. even if it's just loyalty to family, there's the sense of yeah. And then what happens to us? Right. If we go with this plan, what happens to us? And so every and so the Johns and the Robs are the ones that are like, well, well, we want to put this. We just want to. We have to get this person out, you know. And so like Rob's big thing was we got to get the Joffrey Cersei dynamic gone. Well, mm-hmm. what are you going to do instead? I, I, anything's better. Well, right. you don't know that. <laughs> and and then with Rob, it's like, well, we'll just. You know, or with with John, it's like, well, well, Daniel, she'll be a just queen. She'll be great. It's like, you sure? Are you sure? And then what does that mean for us? And it's just like, well, it's just better. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, everything so- that Arya and Sansa know about Danny is that she really she's hell bent on being the queen of everything. Right. So much so that she can be a little bit prickly if anyone dissents from her or or even just doesn't toast her quite right, you know? Mm-hmm. Like she's been out of shape because people didn't toast her as as belovingly as they did someone else. Right. Uh so yeah, I don't blame Sansa for for mistrusting her. But this whole thing about Arya says I don't need many allies, I, I just think you're stupid. You're stupid if you don't think you need allies. So, right. I don't know. Um, the other thing that really upset fan—I wouldn't say fans. I would say a subset of fans. The direwolf lovers were not happy with the way that John disses Ghost. John basically says, "Eh, you uh, take the." take the wolf up north with the torment and he doesn't say goodbye like he just doesn't doesn't even give the wolf a pat on the head and the wolf does this little like mm-hmm, like yeah oh i just went to war for you and I right <laughs> <laughs> uh honestly that was a really big deal that was a really big deal for a lot of folks was it a big deal for you not really. I, I've always viewed the, the wolves as kind of an avatar for the characters. So, like, for instance, uh, Sansa becomes a creature of the South when, like, the wolf represents the Stark avatar. Um, so the Stark sigil, and it represents, like, a connection to Winterfell, the North, all of that business. So... Sansa loses her wolf on her way down south and in, in in a lot of ways loses her identity because of that. And she really becomes this political creature of the south. Um, Arya loses her wolf across the sea. She loses her identity in the, in the process. Um, and I kind of feel like here's Jon going south. If I'm reading the symbolism right. John's going south to become a Targaryen mm-hmm. and and side with Danny. So he's really a dragon now. He's not a wolf. Right. The and so wolf this... belongs up north with Tormund. So that's how I read it. Anyway. Yeah, and I and I think that the, and I again, I don't have because I'm only operating on uh the series. Mm-hmm. Um that that's well the series has has sort of downplayed and discounted the dire wolves. So why 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 would we expect it to now go over the top with it or you know because then it would feel like fan service right like if there was this big goodbye and everyone's like yeah I forgot that 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 wolf was even around you could you could give the wolf a pat on the head I mean it's not that hard you know no, the fans want it just if it doesn't even if, have to be a line of dialogue but if if your point is such that he's now convinced that he's he's like he's able to flip 
a switch that's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Dragon Boy now. Um, <laughs> maybe there's, there's an importance. There's two ways to read it is, yeah. Hey, I'm not, I'm, that ain't me, you know, to, to sort of take from Aria, yeah. uh, anymore. Um, or I, I, I don't have, I don't have the, the courage to, to face my dual identity right now. I, I, it's better for me to just sort of sure. walk away from it because I think that's kind of, and that, that symbolism is, is sort of what Sansa and Arya, I think are, are bucking against. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I mean, he's not like, Hey, but I'm still your cousin guys. You know, there's a sense of I'm a Targaryen and I got to go figure out what that means. And then for them, it's like, well, they're, they, they yeah, like, no, but you're a Stark first, you know, the sort of that same lesson that he was kind of giving Theon is sort mm-hmm. of, he's mm-hmm. kind of, now that he's faced with it, it's a little different, right? And- yeah, I think deep down, John is a the key attribute to John's character is duality. Mm-hmm. It's duality from the very beginning. He's like a son of Ned Stark, but he's not because he's a bastard. He's highborn, but he's kind of in the middle because he's he's a bastard. He's a man of the Night's Watch, but he's also a wildling. You know, he's he's king of the North, but really he's you know uh, in love with Danny, and all the whole time. He was always a Stark and a Targaryen, right? And, right? and that we find that out at the very end. In the book, he's kind of half wolf, half human, because he's a warg. So everything about his character throughout the series has been this issue with his duality. And so, to more to what you're saying, if he's choosing to be a Targaryen over and against his sort of Starkness then it should be a cause for worry to the reader and maybe so maybe you're supposed as a as a viewer maybe you're supposed to be a little bit broken hearted by the fact that he doesn't give a long goodbye to ghost right and so and that and i find this interesting right so this is we're doing a close reading mm-hmm. and we may be doing some, you know, we, we may be giving benefit of the doubt. Like when we talked about like sort of the brand criticism from the last episode and I said, hey, well, you know, maybe it's maybe the fact that he isn't really doing much is is a further commentary on the gods. <laughs> sure, me. Um, and then you're like, well, that sounds pretty cool if that's what they meant. <laughs> and and you you were in the camp that's like, I don't think that's what they meant. And I, I, I was in the, yeah, they probably didn't mean it, but sometimes I do believe that art creates the artist. And, mm-hmm. uh, okay. and, and that if you've got, a connection with what you're doing, you may even accidentally do the right thing because uh, you're you're sort of in this sort of zone, right? You're in this you're in this you're in the current of this narrative. So sometimes it just you're going to do something that makes sense. You don't realize it. Um, That's right. So yeah. Sometimes it, you a, know more than you let on, or sometimes you don't know as much as the the, the story is taking you in a particular direction. Right. And you're and so, not conscious of the story you're creating, but the story you're creating has kind of had a part in creating itself. Mm -hmm. So Um, it's possible that when this, when this scene gets together, that there was actually a discussion about, do you think you should, do you think we don't know that? And it could have just been like, it was such an afterthought and that they were quote mailing it in, but because there's so much of this natural momentum in the story that they can mail it in and still, um, and still do some great things that are complicated. Right. So like mm-hmm. if the fan reaction is like, well, we want more, we want more connection. I think your way of flipping it was like, well, maybe you're supposed to be, this is supposed to be a point of tension for you. And rather than saying, yeah. Oh, they screwed up. See, the, the pro- Here's the problem with all of, all of my sort of close reading is that the, the showrunners actually said, these wolves are CGI. <laughs> it costs a lot of money to do this. And we don't have the budget for it. And all the fans were like saying, "How are you? Not, how do you not have the money for this? <laughs> like you, at this point, you're advertising on NBA and MLB networks. How do you not have the money for this? You're literally product placing Starbucks <laughs> cups. <laughs> how do you not have the money for this? So anyway, um, one scene I loved was." And I, I can't tell you how much I love this. When Arya comes out of nowhere again to join the Hound on the road. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're like, hell yes! I, I really wanted... I didn't know how much I wanted another Hound Arya roadshow. 
but I absolutely, I'm all in. I am yeah, all yeah. in on that. And, and the fact that they're like, like, there's just no sentimentality for either of these two. Like they're, they're very much the same person at this point. It's like, right. so if I, if I get hurt, you're just going to leave me for dead again. Probably. Yeah, I know that was great. No, that was great. I'll tell you a scene that I watched uh, twice because I thought it was so. It was an incredible moment of um, a performance in such a subtle way, and it reminds you just how great Peter Dinklage is um, when they're doing the drinking game. Yeah, uh, and Tyrion is sort of. I forget exactly the the sequence, but uh, he gives her kind of like a little bit of a sad face. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then he and he's like oh and then, and the way he leans into jamie and buries his head to sort of do this uh you know over the top oh no it was <laughs> it was brilliant because it in in like a second if even a second of that you get there's so much with with the performance of the eyes with the way that he yeah. buries into jamie that was so authentic this idea that like I'm 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 alongside my brother. Yeah, you really believe that those two are brothers, but but so e- even more than brothers, they have such a history, such an intimate history together that they really share an affection for one another. Yeah, when he buries his head into his it was like it, they it wasn't there wasn't a hey, we fought battles together or we yeah. did this it, this was Hey, we're we're busting somebody's chops together. Yeah, right. right. And we're and, drunk. We're drunk and, yeah, and we're busting. That chops. whole thing was it, and it was it was such a split second of, uh, but it it was it was the most probably the most moving part of the episode for me because um, the sense of and actually you could and here I am probably you know talking myself out of my number one issue <laughs> with uh, with the show is you could build on that and see a yearning for family. That's right. And these are brothers that were estranged for a while, right? Mhm. And you I don't know. Dinklage is just I mean all all praise be to Dinklage. He's Yeah. yeah. He's he rarely disappoints. There there were a couple moments in this in this series that he's disappointed. But for the most part I mean it's it's hard to imagine a more complex and more interesting character on any screen ever than yeah, Tyrion Lannister. I, I, yeah, and I, I think that, and so when you when you start to do that, right? Like, so we're gonna we're gonna finish this in a in a couple episodes, obviously, and mm-hmm. then we're gonna have to really do a nice post mortem. But <laughs> but so far, like you, everything we've seen, all the greatness that we've seen, any one thing mm-hmm. where you go, hey, this is the greatest, maybe season one finale ever or however you want to choose you know yeah. premiere you put all those out none of that is erased by whatever happens in because those are actual achievements yeah that's right um, well in fact i would say at this point i don't know if i've to- if i said this to you before but i have made this claim before that this is really the greatest fantasy epic on on any screen, right? And that actually might be damning it with faint praise, right? Because it, it it probably transcended the genre, right? Sure. But none of that happens without Peter Dinklage. No, without a doubt. Like, Tyrion Lannister is, in so many ways, the vehicle that drives the subversive nature of this show. Mm-hmm. And he's he's the, he's he brings the comic relief, but he also brings a lot of the the sort of pay, pathos to the show. Um, his dialogue is always second to none, and the fact that he can pull the actor can pull this character off so well, even even to the point where it's like George R. R. Martin didn't write any of these lines, and mm-hmm. his choice to nudge his drunk little head into Jamie. That's totally an acting choice, right? Exactly, and it and it was so authentic. Yeah, and and again, it 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 was to me that like, <laughs> don't. <laughs> it's like like the Starbucks cup is a finger pointing to the moon. Don't concentrate <laughs> on the finger, or you'll miss all the heaven. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, all right. I, I like I like that we've 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 done so, you know sort of the yin and the yang for this episode. We're getting geared up for the sixth annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Was there anything else you wanted to cover? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I just really, I thought, I really like this Varus's Varus yeah. is kind of panicking. It's and... it's so weird that Varus. I th- I think that Varus has been very much a, a concealed character throughout this. They're like, can I trust you, or are you just too snake like for me to trust you? Right? Like his yeah. his nickname is the Spider, and there's a good reason for that. And yet, he's almost become the moral conscious for the entire show. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, and it, and and you're so invested in some of these moral monsters uh, that you're like, yeah, Varys, you're kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, well, and but uh, if you think yeah. about it, he's pretty heroic. I I think he's pretty heroic anyway. Well, and I like the idea that he. I like that him and Tyrion are sort of accountability partners. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and. And and Varys, it's so it's what's fascinating is that Varys has made it clear. I'll be on the side that I think will do the best for the for the most common folk, right? Like that's right. kind of his, and, his and yeah. to the point where it's like, so I'll I'll switch my allegiance whenever that seems like it's in it's in jeopardy, and that become I mean that feels like that's going to be a problem because Danny's well, didn't she basically tell him look you got to basically swear your allegiance to me, right? I mean, that was... Well, I think that's... What, what, was, what was that, Diane? What was... The, okay, she had so that... here's, here's what happens. He says, my allegiance is to the realm. And Danny likes to think of herself as this chain breaker, right? She wants to break the wheel, yada, yada, yada. So what she says to him is, you promised me something. If ever you think that I'm doing something that's not good for the realm... You mm-hmm. say it to that's my right. face, and I'm going to make right. a promise to you. If you ever betray me, I will burn your ass. Right. And that's how that scene goes down. And so far, Varys has said it to her face. Like, Yeah. Do not burn King's Landing. Right, right. At least the way I'm judging it by the way Tyrion reacts to Varys, it very much looks like, hey, I said what I was going to say. Now I got to go do what I got to do. Right. Right, I held up my end of the bargain. Right. Um, yeah, and so that's and so now it's like now we're gonna get to see what Danny's all about, right? I mean, <laughs> I just think, 
and it's oh yeah so now that now it's like okay two episodes left and i know that these take a drop but then again this was supposed to be a big drop <laughs> and again i am not i'm not gonna sit here with well with the- but keep this in mind so far the biggest issues of the la- these last two episodes was that the scene was too dark and there was a Starbucks cup. Yeah, and I haven't Ghost, had those. The, and that Ghost didn't get a, a, a pat on the head, right? <laughs> so your experience of this show has been fundamentally changed from, a, from millions of other watchers. Mm. So who knows how you're going to experience these last couple episodes. I feel ahead of the curve because this was a, what, a 58 or 59% on the tomato meter, mm. which is a massive drop from the typical See, 90s. I feel like if you give me all that Sansa complexity, like you're going to betray John and force him onto the throne, which he doesn't want, because that's the best thing for the realm. And you love John. Like that level of complexity, if you give me that in an episode, it's hard for me not to say like, hey, I'm going to overlook the Rhaegal stuff that didn't work mm-hmm. for me, right? For sure, and that, and that's exactly where I, I stand on this because I am so intrigued by the idea that uh, that they're trying to. Well, I, here's what I love about here's what worked about the. I, I don't think that that Tyrion would have tried to appeal to Cersei the same way again. I don't think that she would not have killed him. But okay, those things happened. What what is the net result of this, right? That's the that's what you have to like at this point. That's what you're dealing with, right? Is like, are we at least going in a place that's compelling? And the idea that in the same sequence that they are trying to 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 appeal to this idea of hey, let's not roast everybody. <laughs> let's come on, let's go for a walk, and let's 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 negotiate let's 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 feign a little power here let's say hey look have a little coffee let's let's... (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna roast everybody if if, you go ahead and you can give me a shot and in that process in the process of of of, and danny is clearly like fine you know what i'll go along with it i don't believe that it's gonna make any difference um but at least it'll it'll look like hey we gave Cersei a chance anything that happens after this you can just pin on her yeah um that's the that's Danny's approach which suggests Danny's like and that's believable I could see Danny making that decision I absolutely believe it and in fact I think I think she purposely doesn't put up much of a fight because she's like I've already made up my mind Mm -hmm. I'm cooking King's Landing and you know what you have a real real bad idea because it's the same bad idea you had before and I'm actually glad you're going to use the same bad idea before because I know that it won't work. Yeah, so it sure. it's the it's the best case scenario yeah. for her, right? It's like her saying, "Look, if that's the only card you have to play and you played it twice and it didn't work, I'm going to be a dragon. I'm going to follow Lady Elena's advice. Mm-hmm. I'm a dragon. I'm going to be a dragon. It's worked out for me in the past. I'm pretty sure it's going to work out for me this time." So, yeah. I'll tell you yeah. what, man. That I have not been thrilled with Grey Worm's character throughout. Right. And I think it's just that the actor's just so stoic and stilted. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he... His response to Missandei's beheading... Like, I I really felt that one. Like, yeah, that was just I, I an agree. amazing... An amazing... Amazing work by that actor. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think that that's great. I mean, yeah, so in the process of, yeah, in the process of trying to do the negotiation, they do something that not only proves Danny's point, but, like, also just adds more fuel to, like, how do you even, like, you, how do you talk her out of it now? Like, it's, there's... Oh, yeah, Missandei's last word was Dracaris. Right. So what do you do? Like, I mean, if you're Varys or you're Tyrion at this point, you're like, well, that plan's gone. Yeah. And so now, now yeah. Varys, if again, like you know, they made their little little pact. I'm glad you reminded me on the specifics of it, where it's like, hey, I'll tell you if if you're wrong, and he did, and then she's gonna go for it anyway. Then, mm-hmm. then Varys is gonna do, like you said, Varys is gonna do what he's gonna do, and that. Yeah, I don't probably... even know what. Like I honestly, I don't remember very well, but I'm trying to remember what what can Varys really do at this point? It's not like there's some faction. It's not, there, there's no more. 
phrase. There's no more Tyrells. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. I don't know who what he would. What the heck is he even going to try to do? Because he can't. Honestly, I he, don't remember. He can't go to. He can't appeal to King's Landing, but I guess he can appeal to John, or maybe Sansa. Like that. Sure. That's the. Maybe that's it's the. Sa- maybe, I, I wish I could remember, but I'm kind of glad that you, I don't because I can kind of. Because I feel like Varys, I mean, Varys is is pretty crafty. He knows where Tyrion heard this information from, so he knows there's a source, right? Mm -hmm. And so if he's connecting these dots and saying Sansa's kind of usurping things because she wants Jon either, she wants Jon in control, which he does. He's made it, he he made it very clear he would prefer Jon. And if he knows that there's another person that wants it, that has some influence with people, um, then, then Sansa becomes a good a good ally for that right so he mm-hmm. and and she could certainly use an advisor at this point because she doesn't really have that right now and so Varys could be that but you know then that just really muddies the water because clearly danny sees everybody as a threat mm-hmm. uh, and and sansa in particular and so so again i'm like all right i get it they could screw up these next two episodes but they haven't really yet. I mean, I'm sorry. This is like I said. I said it was at worst a B minus. I think this is probably in the B range, and it might be B plus just because because of that other these intriguing factors yeah, yeah. that that are still able to eclipse. I mean, that's the fact is is that I can walk out of that episode giddy with what's going to happen next, despite the fact that I had three major issues, and I even negotiated my way out of one of them. <laughs> My, I I tell you what, Steve. Part of the reason that I asked you to do this podcast was because I really wanted you to sit through these last couple of episodes. Oh my god! <laughs> I really, I really want to. I'm really curious. What kind of, what, just what kind of eyes you're going to use to watch these? I and I'm the guy that recommended Penitentiary 2 to you. I want you to remember. Yeah. <laughs>